This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. All right, new year, new intro. Let's get things going. Uh, hope y'all like the new intro. I know it's a little different. It's not mission complete this week. We're changing things up. Um, so let us know what you think. Um, I'm Kyle Mankey. He's Larry Leathers, like always. That's something that's not changing anytime soon. So, Larry, how you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm doing good. It's been a good week, and new intro is amazing. You did a great <laughs> job on it. And thank you to everybody for helping with it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say next was, um, first thing, the, the song that's behind it is a song called Texas, fittingly enough, uh, by a band called Young American from a little place called San Antonio, Texas. Uh, so you can check out Young American on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, everywhere music's available. Uh, the album is called Late Nights, Early Flights, if you feel like checking that out. Um, so thank you to Jason and all those guys for letting us use that music. And thank you to Jesus, uh, Michael, Jose, Vanessa, Andres, and Aaron for contributing their voices to that as well. So uh, we're going to put more calls out later for uh, more recordings. We're going to try and get some coaches, some uh, players. We'll see some fun stuff. But for now, that's the new intro. So hope you like it. And thank you for those that uh, contributed. Oh, anyway, so um, super relevant thing that I want to talk about is I don't know if you've been playing this game called HQ. It's um, like arguably the country's like most popular game show right now. And it's an app that you download on your phone. I I've never even heard of this. What is this? I need to get you in that because I need to get some extra lives. I Um, don't need another game. (laughs) I really don't need another game right now. So it's a trivia game, and I went out the other night on a question that I feel like I should have known after living in San Antonio for so long, but it was uh, an avocado. Is it a gourd, a berry, or something else? I can't remember what the third one was, but it was a berry. Did you know avocados are berries? This is going to be weird, but I would have said it was a fruit, but (laughs) yeah, no, I didn't know it was a berry. Right? But the more important part of this is avocados are disgusting. Oh my God, we're not going to have this fight, are we? No, you know what fight we are going to have? You know what else is disgusting? In-N-Out Burger. <sighs> well, it's it bad. was a good show. It's Thanks for bad. listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, those are two fights that we can definitely have, and I feel like this week would probably be a good week to have them for the most part because there wasn't a ton going on as far as USL soccer goes as far as San Antonio FC goes, um, uh, you're wrong on both of those opinions, but... Uh, they're not opinions, they're facts. So San Antonio <laughs> FC played RGB a 0-0 draw. Uh, it was, I believe, the first public friendly um, that was open to fans at Toyota Field this year. All the other ones that have been open to fans have been away matches. Correct. Um, and... I wasn't able to make it, but you, I believe, were there, right? Am I making that up? I did. I went and sat down in 108, not in my normal seats, but I uh, moved up a few rows and, and went out there and enjoyed the game by myself that night. So before we talk about Austin and She Believes and all the other things that are coming up, uh, what were some of your thoughts on that friendly? What did you see and what were you impressed by? 
Uh, you know, we got to, I'm, I'm going to, I wrote down some points here. And one thing I'm going to hit right off the bat was last week we had a question from Royce um, asking about Pekka and if we were going to start seeing Pekka pulling back, um, pulling back to help out on the defense. And no, I am not a communist. FYI. Um, <laughs> for those listening. Periscope question. Podcast. Yes. Or per, periscope response that I'm anti-avocado and therefore I am a communist. I am not a communist. I'm just <sighs> anti-avocado. Just wrong. <laughs> uh, no, but getting back to it, Royce asked a question about Pekka pulling back and helping out the defense. And right off the bat, it wasn't Pekka coming back and doing that. It was actually Mikey Lopez. Uh, so that was, you know, that may be the answer right there. Pekka did start doing that later in the match. Um, but to start it off, Lopez was always the one pulling back to, to shore up the defense when uh, people would move up on the offensive side there. Um, it, w- it was an interesting match. We had a very interesting lineup. A um, couple surprises. I wasn't expecting I'm, – I, I'm going to butcher his name. And we talked about this. I have no clue how to pronounce his name right. Uh, Cuomo, our new, new signee. Yeah, so I haven't gotten a pronunciation yeah. guide yet. I don't know. So um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see him in the lineup that night, playing back in the defense in the in the central uh, as a, a central defender there uh, with uh, Chris Christian. Um, Chris Christian looked great, and he was holding down the fort. Everybody would move up down the field. He'd be holding back and sticking back there with Restrepo. He'd always be the last man on defense there, um, and he looked good doing it. So I think that's probably something we're going to see. It might change a little bit if we get McCarthy back in there. Um, But I'm expecting to see the two of them holding down the defense for us between that pairing right there. Um, It didn't. Yeah. I I don't know. That's that was, that was the center back pairing that we saw last week too in the first match um, was Chris Christian and he was a trialist at the time, but um, yeah, so I felt like it looked good. Uh, and we'll see when Stephen McCarthy's full health, um, see who's competing for that spot. But I think Chris Christian, from what I've seen, I don't know if you feel this way after watching that friendly, but from what I've seen, it, it seems like he's definitely in starting conversation, if not locked down a starting role. I, at this point, after the way he performed that day, I'm fully expecting him to lock down a starting role. I'm expecting to see him and McCarthy in the center of the center, center of the defense there for us. That would be my guess to when uh, McCarthy's fully healthy. If he's fully healthy already, he, he may be not really sure. <laughs> um, back there on defense as well. We saw Greg Colden down the fort, um, the Iron Man himself. So I'm expecting him to play and hold a spot. And then opposite him, we had Darnell King and I, Unfortunately, I walked away from that match looking at King and he was all over the place, all over the field. He was running up and down. He was working hard, but he's got a temper. He looked like he was getting frustrated very, very easily during the match, um, either from officiating, which was not great and was with what basically up to par with what we expect out of a USL match now. <laughs> Utterly horrible. Mid-season um, form already. Oh, yeah. Full on. The, the, the officiating was god awful in this match. Um, but yeah, he seemed to be getting really frustrated either by calls not happening or calls that were getting called, put against him. Um, and I'm hoping that temper settles down a little bit as we head into the season. You know, doing it in the preseason is one thing, but he's got to settle down. Otherwise, he's going to start getting cards left and right. And it almost looked at one point like he was trying to get a card. So don't necessarily want to see that too much. 
I meant to look to see what his discipline record was like at Tampa last year. I can't remember seeing him too much in the disciplinary report, but obviously it's been a little while. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what, what he's done in the past, but it, it it just seemed like he was frustrated on the field. And there was some disorganization in that back line. Um, they didn't look quite like a fluid unit yet, but they're not that far away. And obviously it's preseason. This is what it's for. Yeah. Work out the kinks, get ready for season opener in Sacramento in two weeks. No, is it two weeks now? It's, a li- almost a week and a half. Yeah, man. Because it's, it's the 17th. So yeah, I mean, work out the kinks in the defense, but... Um, yeah, I mean, he looked good. Just he's got to rein in the temper a little bit. <laughs> so zero zero draw. Was it RGB's defense holding San Antonio back or was the San Antonio attack not quite connecting as well as we've seen earlier this preseason? There were so many good opportunities in this match for San Antonio to put in a goal. And honestly, the final scoreline probably should have been something that was three to zero, four to zero on the part of SAFC. They just had a really tough time connecting and finishing really, which is a problem we've had in the past has always been the finishing. Um, You know, we saw, saw issues, issues in previous seasons where guys weren't taking the shots and weren't making the most of the opportunities. At least this time we were getting shots off. They were just always off target or somebody was just a little bit out of place um, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue going into the season. It's just some tweaking. We know that Guadarrama and Guzman have a seemingly have a good pairing. They looked good in this match. It looked like they were matching up well. Um, same with Tierpak up there in Presley. They were all working their asses off. Um, it's just the, the fine details and the fine tuning and the timing. Um, we looked a lot more dangerous on set pieces this time as well. It looked like we had some some better setups and looks at that. Once again, we couldn't connect on any of them, but looking at what was going on in the field, it looked better than we've seen previous seasons. Cool. I mean, that's, that's good to hear. The only, yeah. The only other big thing that really stood out to me as far as our offense, offensive side goes is Presley and not necessarily in the best way. Um, He does look like, you know, more field times helping him, but there were plenty of times where it didn't look like he was being physical enough on the field. It almost like he was scared to, you know, give a little push or a little shove here and was getting dominated by guys that weren't even as big as he is. And he's not the biggest guy to begin with. So if they're shoving him around, that could be an issue. He's going to have to stand up for himself a little bit more on the field and and make his presence known. Otherwise we're going to miss out on opportunities because he's not willing to make a play for the ball and, you know, push a guy around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that was really the only criticism that we had last year on him was, you know, he wasn't very physical. He's not a very big player. Um, One thing I noticed last week, though, is that maybe it's just my imagination, but I feel like he looks bigger than he did last year. Um, Like maybe he's, you know, put on some bulk or something trying to trying to work on that strength. But uh, I could be just imagining that. But I feel like from what I saw in the previous match, um, he was getting some good chances and was involved in a lot of really good things. Um, but yeah, like you said, any, any physical altercations, <laughs> that was, right. that was the issue. Um, but I, I've said it a lot this preseason, even before we got those other wingers signed, uh, at San Antonio, I think he's still in the starting discussion, even with Omar Gordon, Chris Tierpak and Jose Escalante. 
Um, I feel like Chris Tierpak is starting whenever he's healthy for sure. Agreed. Um, but uh, other than that, I feel like it's a lot closer between Connor Presley and the other two guys than maybe we thought when, when they first got signed. Is that what you've seen or am I being a little too positive? I'm not entirely sure that Presley's locked up the spot. I think you're right. He's in the conversation. I think we may be seeing a more of a rotation between him and probably Escalante. Um, it's funny you mentioned Gordon. Um, I caught him. I, I walked up to go to the bathroom really quick with a few minutes left in the match, um, right when the, they were doing their subs on and off. And Gordon was actually chilling up in the stands in street clothes, not even up in a box like with the rest of the teammates that weren't playing that night. He was down in the stands, um, actually at the top of the section I was sitting in with, it looked like some friends. Um, So he wasn't even dressed out for anything or even hanging out with the team that night from what all I could see, which makes me wonder what's going on with him and his position on the team right now. Or if it could be, you know, a little uh, injury, like a preseason knock or something. Right. I've been meaning to say, I meant to say this earlier, that um, real life, quote unquote, real life got in the way this week. So I didn't make it out to SAFC training at all this week. So uh, we're flying a little more blind than usual, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully we'll get back on that next week. Right. But overall, I mean, it was, it looked promising. It looks like our attack stronger. It looks like our defense is similar to what we've expected in the past and what we've seen in the past. Maybe there's some connection issues there in the defensive line that they've got to work out over the week. Um, in the week and a half, they've got leading up to Sacramento. And I'm not entirely sure that Cuomo's going to be in that spot once things get really rolling. If McCarthy's there um, or Felix, Felix could be another yeah. one that may slot back in that area too. Um, I, I truly wasn't expecting him to be in that starting lineup that, mo- that night after we got that announcement that Cuomo and Phoenix, Felix had been both, both been signed that day. I think that was the day of the match, wasn't it? Yeah, or the so. day before. Yeah. Um, I was expecting it to be Felix, if anybody, but we'll see. It, <laughs> Remember we'll see. when we were worried about defensive depth like two weeks ago? <laughs> now we have all no. the center backs. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's completely shifted from yeah. what we need to be concerned about is probably forwards is our weaker, weakest spot at the moment. You know, we've got Guzman. Um, what we've got behind that remains to be seen to a certain extent and who's going to actually be in that slot. So, yeah. I mean, I wonder with Sonny there and with Mikey Lopez and Pekka and Ryan Rochindle all playing well, um, I wonder where Cesar Elizondo lands because we were expecting him to take that 10 role this year. Mm-hmm. Um, now it looks like he's more likely to be behind Ever Guzman as uh, the next guy off the bench as the, the striker. So, It'll be interesting to see. And obviously injuries happen and it's a long season and everything else. But, um, you know, for Sacramento, I think, and looking at the, the San Antonio FC.com uh, earlier this week, Elizondo is listed as a forward now when I believe he was listed as a midfielder when he was announced for this year. So maybe that gives a little insight. And then Mike Seth, yeah. of course, is up there still. But um, he's been playing a lot of fullback this year, which is or this preseason rather, which is pretty cool. And that was no different in this match when they went through their subs, Seth was playing back. So 
Yeah. That's probably the place for him. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what that's like being a professional soccer player and having to change positions when you're already on a team. Um, but if he wants minutes, that seems like the way to go because there's not a lot of depth there. And, you know, knock on wood, you want Greg Cochran to play every minute again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things happen. And yeah. Darnell King, too. So we'll see what happens. But Better. we don't have a lot of depth at fullback other than those three. Better to have guys ready to play there than to not have them and need them. So yeah. give him the time. He knows how to play farther up the field. Let him get some defensive minutes in and, and learn the position. Um, anything else on the preseason game that you want to chat about? Uh, no, I think that was it. Other than, man, there were some long lines there that night for only a quarter of the stadium being filled up with drinks and food and concessions and stuff like that. Like I, I actually was in line to get drinks before the game started probably 10 minutes to kick off. And I abandoned ship and just went to my seat because I was not going to get through that line. And by the time they were starting, so I didn't want to miss any of the match. <laughs> yeah. I saw some stuff on Twitter where people were a little not thrilled with the concession wait time. So that's a bummer to hear. Hopefully they get that fixed for the regular season. There's one other thing with concessions that I'm wondering too is Chick-fil-A is a sponsor now. Are we going to see Chick-fil-A in the stadium this season, (laughs) in the the stadium this year? I I, I hope so. I don't know where. Obviously, I didn't see anything that indicated there was going to be Chick-fil-A in the stadium, but I'd take that. I mean, they have a Whataburger in the AT&T Center, right? Why not put a Chick-fil-A in Toyota Field (laughs) or at least have it served at the concession line? It would get more more use than the Chick Fil A's they've got out in Atlanta because they've got they've got Chick Fil A's in that stadium, but it's closed for football games because it's right. Sunday and they're right. closed on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Um. So open practice was another thing that happened this week. Again, I wasn't there. I'm not a season ticket member, so I uh, skipped that. But, <laughs> um. C. Lopez 101 on Periscope says, hashtag the struggle was real about concessions. So, it was bad. I, um, I didn't make it to SAFC open practice this week either. Uh, yeah. Real life got in the way, which has been the theme of this week for both of us with stuff. So uh, yeah, I didn't make it there. Um, it was cool seeing some of the pictures though. It's always, it's always great to see at this level, specifically players interacting so closely with fans and it feels like there's a genuine connection with the players and the fans. Like they recognize the people that are there consistently. And um, it, it's a cool thing to to watch. Um, I'm that asshole that's uh, always asking them questions after practice. So it's a little <laughs> different on my end, but it's cool to see the, uh, the uh, other folks that they want to chat with. Yeah. I mean, there's always good fan interaction there with those guys. So it's good seeing Twitter and seeing everybody getting pictures with all the guys after the games, everybody's smiling, having a good time. Yeah. Well, that was pretty much all the San Antonio FC stuff we had for this week. There were no player signings um, that we saw. We've got one more preseason game this weekend against Tulsa on Saturday at 1 PM. I believe it's at in the afternoon. Um, It's another closed preseason game. Maybe one of us will make it out there. We'll see. <laughs> Not sure what my Saturday schedule is looking like yet, but I'm going to try maybe. So 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, peek behind the curtain here. Um, we spend a lot of time during the season talking about soccer and watching soccer and writing about soccer. And so um, when it's not in season, I try and spend as much time with my family as I can so that they'll uh, not abandon me in the middle of the year. So that's where I'm going to be Saturday. So I'm not going to make it out there. But um, hopefully either you will, Larry, or some of the guys from 210soccer.com. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully somebody can make it out there. We'll try to make it work. Um, the only other USL news that I have was, uh, Dane Kelly is expected to sign with DC United. Um, as far as I could find it was not official yet. Um, but USL's all-time leading scorer, um, pretty dominant player for Reno last year. Um, and every year he's been in the league. Uh, I believe he was spotted at DC United training, if I'm not mistaken. I need to – it's uh, black and red. Oh, man. I, I saw what you're, you're talking about, and he, yeah. was in a, he was in training, DC United training stuff. So Yeah. So it's, it's fairly safe to say that that's probably going to happen, but nothing official yet, and I have no sources um, in Reno, shockingly enough. I don't think I do anyway. But um, I, you know – I would love to see him out of USL. <laughs> I, I would love to see him move up to MLS and not get loaned down yeah. um, or to stay in the Eastern Conference because that guy is a beast. Like, there's a reason he's the all-time leading scorer. So, yeah, um, you know, it's good for him if he's getting that MLS contract and it's good for everyone else in the league uh, in the Western Conference for him to get that MLS contract and stay with DCU. So that's uh, kind of like... Uh, Jack McBean a couple of years ago getting the different contracts that he got like yeah happy to see you go man yep. Bye-bye. <laughs> have a good time yeah that, that's about the way I feel about it too you know it's 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 good for everybody in the Western Conference it's good for San Antonio it's good for everybody good for him good for DC United good all around speaking of Reno did you see that they're trying to get a name for the rivalry with Las Vegas the in-state they're- rivalry they're putting it to a vote, right? Is that what they're doing or yeah. something? Or Facebook polls or Twitter polls or something? I wasn't, I should have had all of them in front of me here, but I wasn't crazy about any of the choices that I saw. Um, I, I just don't, I don't get like manufacturing names for cups. Like I feel like the rivalry between RGV and San Antonio pretty came around that nat- came around pretty naturally with South Texas Derby and mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't, (laughs) you don't need to get too cute with it. I don't think, but, um, I I put something out there on Twitter because the Reno official Twitter handle put out this image with the Las Vegas starting 11, all llamas, llamas, all of the llamas. And they were trying, it was not particularly funny. It was uh, a big swing and a miss, but, uh, you can't, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing right i uh, right. can't score if you don't shoot um so i hope that for as tacky and gaudy as las vegas is reno is like the other side of that coin where they're just like ironically not funny and like cheesy <laughs> like they're just two super tacky teams right next to each other i think that'd be beautiful for the league personally oh yeah i mean something like that's <laughs> gonna happen those two teams are 
they're man, they're gunning for each other so hard right now. And you're right, a lot of it's just swings and misses, but something good will come out of it. They'll at least be entertaining for everybody else. Right. And by all, everybody else, I mean all the other teams in the league watching them crash and burn. <sighs> well, that was uh, pretty much everything we had for San Antonio FC and for USL, I believe, unless there's something else that you want to chat about that we didn't talk about before. I, um, I think that's it. Um, I think we covered it. All. I guess we can call it a night there. Nothing else happened this week. So yeah, that's it. Wrap it up. the intro again for everybody. <laughs> um yeah so uh, there were a lot of things that happened this week um let's start very briefly and and probably disrespectfully briefly um the she believes cup uh with the u.s women's national team um they won it and i'm happy for them um and i mean this with all the respect for those women and all the respect for that team but they need more matches that actually matter. They need more official matches. The She Believes Cup is a friendly tournament and it doesn't mean, it doesn't count for anything. Um, So I had a really hard time giving a shit. Like it was interesting to see them out there playing, but um, it's frustrating because I want to care more about the national team. I'm sure those women would like more, exposure um because they get a lot more exposure with the national team than they do with the nwsl which is a whole nother topic um but uh, could you get into the she believes cup did you watch this with any sort of um stakes in your heart uh you know worried about this team i didn't watch it and i didn't follow along with it <laughs> once i pretty much heard that it was a big friendly tournament i was out so i didn't even really pay attention to it or what happened honestly i didn't even know that they won so yeah, <laughs> i i didn't pay attention i try to watch the competitive matches that they have the yeah. u.s women's national team game when it works for my schedule to watch them but yeah i i they've got so much stuff to try to keep tabs on that i when it's just a bunch of friendlies yeah I, I, I couldn't. I mean, that's a good point. Like it. you've got so you've got Concacaf Champions League, you've got UEFA Champions League, you've got MLS that started. Uh, all of the European soccer leagues are are in swing. Um, you've got international soccer. Like you could watch soccer from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed live. Um, so it's really hard to get pumped about a tournament that doesn't count for anything. Um, so hopefully they figure out a way to fix that and put some stakes in something. I don't know. I'm ready for the Women's World Cup. I'm I'm all here for that. But uh, and of course the qualifiers. But right. this was, yeah, that's this wasn't it. that important. Unfortunately, I hate um, saying that, but it wasn't that important. I know. I don't want it to come off like women's sports, blah blah blah. Because like I would love to see NWSL compete with MLS, like right. not even USL, but MLS. Like I would love to see women's soccer on the same platform as men's soccer, especially in the United States where we have such a damn good team. Um, yeah. I think that's why it's frustrating to see so many friendlies, is because you know this team can play, and um, you know it, it's like preseason soccer preseason anything like it it just doesn't feel the same so right maybe that's a me problem i don't know no it's not just a you problem um 
VAR approved by IFAB. Um, doesn't really affect USL too much as we already had it. Same with MLS, but it is interesting to see other leagues and other tournaments um, adopt this. So the the gist of it, and there's a link on uh, sportsillustrated.com um, that breaks it down really nicely, but um, you know, the gist of it is that IFAB approved it. So it's pretty much ready for FIFA approval to be used universally. Um, right. This opens the door for the World Cup to see VR used there. Yeah. Um, There are certain organizations, certain tournaments that are not going to use it, UEFA Champions League in particular. Um, But uh, how do you feel about VAR just in general? Like, uh, I've been talking enough. How do you feel about VAR? (laughs) (laughs) Um. It's good in theory, and I definitely think it's necessary. I think there still needs to be some improvement to the systems. Um, we saw it fail on many occasions in opening MLS weekend. So <laughs> there was lots of talk about VAR going on with some of those games this weekend and it not catching things and, and crap like that. So there definitely needs to be some improvements to how it works, but I think it's something necessary in the systems right now. And I'm excited to see how it works out with World Cup. Yeah. I don't know. I, so I'm a Tottenham fan, and um, they were playing Juventus in the Champions League this week. And um, even though I'm a Tottenham fan, there was a – it was a foul. It was a foul in the penalty box. It should have been a penalty for Juventus. Um, and it wasn't called, despite having – an extra official, um, despite having, you know, two to three officials in the exact perfect viewing spot, uh, there there was no penalty called. And VAR may have given Juve that PK and, and may have changed the game had Tottenham not fucking blown it and played the worst 30 minutes of football <laughs> ever. But um, anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see times where you're like, oh, I wish we had VAR. And then other times where it's like, VAR is horrible. <laughs> I, I'm still on the fence with it. I feel like it's kind of like the NFL where you get to the point where you can't even tell what a catch is because you're using the technology so much. Um, Thankfully, they're trying to fix that this year. Yeah, right. So <laughs> hopefully there's a blending of like using VAR, but still using fucking common sense so that you don't get to the point that the NFL was at. Like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily, there needs to be some tweaking to it. There needs to be some fixes to it. It's not going to be perfect, but, and I don't necessarily know all the best ways to fix it because different rules are going to need different things. The catch rule in, in the NFL is a big part of like, that's a, that's a very good example of where VAR is good and absolutely horrible all at the same time. And thankfully, the competitions committee for the NFL is making some tweaks to it this year to try and make it easier to understand and and define what a catch is, basically, for the NFL. But that's not what we're talking about here. But (laughs) we may end up doing that at some point. (laughs) Yeah, we may end up doing that at some point because I've seen what the proposal is for the that catch rule, and I'm I'm happier with what it's going to be now. But yeah, yeah, no, VAR is necessary, and I wish it was employed more on a universal level because the more people that are using it, um, the better the system's going to get faster. So we're going to see the problems get fixed as they're popping up. Ironically enough, I feel like the league that uses technology the best is 
the league that you least expect to because they have the longest games, but baseball, MLB, um, they have a centralized, uh, last I checked anyway, they had someone in a centralized office that watches every questionable play so that if it gets challenged, the umpires that are at the game go and put a headset on and the guy tells them, you know, yeah, it was foul. Yeah, it was fair, whatever, like makes the call. It's done within, you know, just a few seconds. So I know that takes some of the officiating power away from the center referee in soccer, which would be a massive big deal. Um, And that would probably cause some issues with IFAB, but um, that's the fastest way to fix it. Like to have someone that's already made up their mind and can just tell the guy, yeah, you're good. Or no, you need to take another look. So, well, I mean, the NFL has that as well. I mean, I don't know if you realized it, but they've got a central office that all of the games route to. And so when they go over to the sideline, cause now they're down to just the little tablet and the headset, they're actually talking back to New York in the home offices so they have a referee group sitting there at the home offices, looking at the replays, queuing what's on his screen to look at as well. And they're conferring back and forth about what it should be. See, what baseball does, though, is the umpires that are there don't have any say, as far as I understand it, to where the, the centralized office makes the call. So it's basically like texting him like, hey, boo, like, <laughs> tell me what's happened. Um so I don't know. Either way, I know there's a lot of issues with VAR. I think it's a good idea. Um, needs to be tweaked. But there's going to be so much fucking shit at this World Cup that goes wrong that I think VAR would be the least of the worries. Um, well, I mean, when you're going to allow in marijuana, cocaine, crack, and all sorts of <laughs> other drugs legally into the stands, I mean, oh, you, think the, you think the South and Central American riots are bad? This World Cup is going to be insane. <laughs> I, not to get political, I don't want to get political, but um, I read an article today about how the team, the, the hockey team that Putin owns in the KHL is allowed to ignore all the salary rules. And I saw them win a game recently on a blatantly offside goal. <laughs> and, um, you know, Russia has a, a lot of great things going for it, but um, consistency and transparency, maybe not one of them. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting that the Russian national team got put into um, arguably the easiest group in the stages. And we'll talk more about World Cup when it comes closer. But um, I think World Cup is going to have plenty of things to talk about, even if they don't use VAR. So that's, and, you know, if I die next week, you know who did it. Well, I mean, I don't know. That whole that, Russian doping, oh, it's going to be crazy. I don't I, do doping. <laughs> there's going to be a team of little hulks running around from the Russian soccer team out there. I can't for the World Cup. It's going to be amazing. It's it's going to be a shit show, and it's going to be fun to watch, even if the the U.S. isn't in it. Um, obviously, I'd rather be rooting for us, but yeah. it's it's going to be an interesting tournament to watch this time around. Do you have a team that you're planning on pulling for in the World Cup, or are you just going to kind of watch as a neutral fan? Um, I think it's. I think I'm going to be taking it on a game by game basis I gotcha. and see how things shake out. I haven't assigned myself to another squad yet by any means. So yeah. How about you? 
so my family came from England. Um, everyone except for the one guy with a German last name that it managed to make its way through. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I'm going to be pulling for England um, in part because of that and in part because um, Tottenham's starting 11 is like half of the England starting 11. <laughs> okay. Harry Kane is uh, heaven on earth. So I anyway. mean, honestly, if I was leaning a team right now to pick today, it'd probably be England, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we traced back our like long, long time ago. We've, we've had our family tree for a little bit and like basically my whole family came from England, super boring. Uh, but I did a DNA test recently and um, the other ones that came up were pretty funny because outside of Great Britain, uh, my next highest one was like Syria and Azerbaijan and like all these uh, countries you wouldn't expect. And uh, uh, European Jewish was one of them and some oh, geez. So now I really want to dig on Ancestry.com and see if I can figure out where those came from. But I digress. I'm excited about the World Cup. This is what happens when USL is an in-season, man. Almost done. Almost done with we're preseason. <laughs> yeah, we're like... 11 days away. no not even seven yeah nine days away or something like that <laughs> it's so close so, so close, close now um did you watch any mls this past weekend no not really I, I know we've I, we've been busy <laughs> schedule was crazy did not most of the good games i was at work for and i was just catching twitter rants from people about the various things and seeing all the madness with people winning games that we didn't think they'd win and people losing games we didn't yeah. think they'd lose. Houston so. fucking spanked Atlanta. So hopefully we don't yeah. see so many Houston players loan down to RGV for San Antonio's sake. Yeah, seriously. Um, anyway, let's, let's talk about MLS a little bit because there are two interesting things that happen in regards to um, Save the Crew slash MLS to ATX that we can talk about um the first one uh happened uh, earlier in the week in that ohio and columbus uh formally presented a lawsuit against uh pre-court sports ventures and um mls both trying yep. to enact that model law that we've talked about before um basically if you don't know if you're not caught up uh the model law is Long story short, it basically says that if you take public funds, if you're a sports team that takes public funds, you can't move out of state without uh, first trying to sell to a local ownership. Um, basically, right? I, I have that right. It's, very, very baseline. Yeah, baseline is you have to give six months notice yeah. and you have to give a local ownership group an opportunity to purchase the team at least so um this law has never been actually tested so we don't know if it's constitutional we don't know if it can be enforced <laughs> um i mean it's been around a while it it's it was in response to the browns getting the move right. the very first time and obviously the browns are back but different ownership group and all that stuff so i don't know it's it's interesting. We've talked about it before. It's an interesting law, but you're right. I don't know if it's necessarily enforceable. And, and I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer, um, but there's several attorneys who analyze soccer law and um, 
I wish I knew how to pronounce his first name. It's Mikey or Mickey Turner um, on Twitter. He's a Seattle Sounders fan, but he's an attorney um, who's been doing a lot of work with uh, analyzing the U.S. soccer lawsuits with NASL. Um, And now he's talking about looking forward to uh, taking a dig into these Modell law ones as well. But the, the gist of it is that all of the soccer community attorneys all um, kind of agree where they're not really sure if this is enforceable or not. Um, it might be, it might not be. So at, at minimum though, it's going to delay a move. It could delay a move, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to take time to sort through this lawsuit. I mean, yeah, it could get thrown out right away, but who knows how fast it's going to make it to the court system. Like we could be waiting a year just for a court date to have preliminary hearings on this, let alone go through an entire lawsuit if they deem deem it as something they can move forward with after the preliminary uh, preliminary stuff. Yeah, well, this could hold this up for years potentially. Yeah. Do you have any any other thoughts on that part of it before we move on to what happened right before we started recording? A little bit before we started recording. I mean. <sighs> I think my big thing is, is that it's been a law in Ohio for so long at this point that if it wasn't something that they could enforce in a situation like this, it never would have made it into law to begin with. So I think it's something they're going to have to contend with, whether it sticks or not, it's a whole different story. But I think we're going to end up with a true lawsuit on our hands where they're in court and have to go through the whole motions. And that there is going to be some concern whether they get stuck being in Columbus or he gets forced to sell. I mean, that honestly, after everything we've talked about, that could be the the biggest win here is that he's forced to sell, not just for the Columbus folks, but for everybody, then everybody's happy um, all around, except for pre-court himself, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't know. I've read what's been posted on Twitter and the screenshots of the law and everything else. And I, I feel like there's no reason for any politician or judge or anyone who's up for election um, to remove this law (laughs) without needing to, because that's going to look bad. Like, Oh, you, you want teams to be able to move away? Well, I'm not going to vote for you. Um, So I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm curious because it could have, like some big implications on future franchises too, because, um, you know, if this law is applicable, FC Cincinnati has a backup plan where they can build the stadium in Kentucky and completely sidestep this law. Um, But otherwise, like it could affect that MLS bid. It could affect, you know, if the NBA ever wanted to bring another franchise there or, um, you know, the NHL wanted to come to a different city or MLB or whatever. Um, or, you know, MLS coming back to Columbus if they left. (laughs) Right. uh, It's really interesting. I, the thing that I'm worried about is this getting stuck in a holding pattern and nothing happening um, because that hurts Columbus in that they don't know what's going to happen. That hurts uh, Cincinnati in the same way. It hurts Austin in the same way. Uh, the fans that are there and it hurts San Antonio because San Antonio's MLS bid 
um, right now is based on the premise of there only being two other MLS teams, as far as we know. Um, if Austin were to happen quickly, then SAFC and Spurs could pivot and say, you know, MLS teams are so localized that we could support a fourth team in Texas and start marketing their strategy that way. Um, I, I really don't think that uh, MLS in Austin automatically kills the San Antonio bid. I think it makes it significantly harder, right. but um, you know, the uh, district attorney that brought a lawsuit against MLS is uh, not comfy around anymore. So there's that <laughs> not to get um, political but um yeah I, I guess that's my big worry is that it'll just get stuck in the courts and, and it'll take forever you know what those stuck in the courts may not be the worst thing that may actually be a blessing to san antonio um if it's stuck in the courts how long is mls going to be willing to sit around and twiddle their thumbs about the situation and not know what's going on with that franchise how long is austin going to be willing to sit around and wait for this stuff to play itself out you know it may force mls to pull the plug on the whole situation and just put an end to it right there uh because they're getting sued by they're they're a part of this lawsuit too so they may not want to go through the hassle of the legal fees and the long drawn out process they may just say you know what let's end this right here columbus isn't moving columbus is staying they're forced to sell to a different ownership group end of story move along and that opens the door for san antonio to step in and be that third franchise here in Texas. So, I mean, I think there could be a positive out of this lawsuit for San Antonio in that regard and a holding pattern happening. Everything that I've heard and seen and, you know, just talking with Tim Holt last week, it it sounds like San Antonio's MLS bid is, you know, ready to continue on. Like it's not like they would have to sit and figure out a bunch of stuff. So um, they're, (laughs) You know, he didn't say this specifically, but it seems like the Austin situation is just putting everything in a holding pattern and, you know, they have to figure that out first. MLS has to figure that out first. Um, I just think it could force some hands here. Yeah. Because a three or four year court battle is not good for anybody if that's what it takes. I know he's seen as the bad guy and I'm not trying to defend him necessarily, but Don Garber's interview with Grant Wall on his podcast didn't seem like Garber was real hyped about Austin um, or pre-court moving to Austin rather. I know he Garber was really hyped at South by, um, but right. it felt like that was more about an expansion franchise and less about pre-court pulling the plug, uh, pulling the plug. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. It, it's a very weird situation with a lot of moving parts Um, The newest moving part we found out earlier today on Thursday was that um, PSV is basically from what it sounds like settling on McCalla, uh, the McCalla location, McCalla place for their Austin stadium, their potential Austin stadium. So there's no more fight over parkland or uh, public funding or anything like that other than giving away this unused land uh, on a discount but um, what what are your thoughts on that statement that came out today while I try and pull that up um I mean if they want to settle on the toxic waste dump then so be it (laughs) I mean it's it's just interesting that ML obviously we know that MLS needs to check off on any 
move with involving pre-court at the end of the day. So pre-court's got to get all their stuff done. They've got to find the stadium location. They've got to secure all the funding, all that good stuff. And then MLS has to come in and say, okay, you're good to go. I don't know that MLS is going to say, okay, you're good to go on the toxic waste dump. That's 12 miles away from the downtown place where they want to, you know, they want a downtown stadium. MLS wants a downtown stadium. Yeah. They've made that very, very clear. And it's probably one of the holdups with San Antonio too. That's probably the biggest holdup in my opinion is our location of our stadium. It works for our city, but they would prefer it to be downtown. So why are you going to let him move to a toxic waste dump? That's not downtown. I don't know. I want to talk about the San Antonio perspective of that at some point in the very, very near future, because I don't see Toyota field going to MLS, uh, the location of Toyota field going to MLS, but um, sticking with this right now, I, I, I'm not concerned about the whole toxic waste dump thing. I I know that's um, what it has been for a while. Um, oh if, come on! The the Austin Hazards has a hell of a ring to it. Okay, <laughs> it does. <laughs> that would actually be a pretty legit <laughs> logo, uh, like the Fallout Shelter. Like, That's right. That would be pretty cool, actually, if you could like get self-referential about it. Um, but the location of it, uh, from everything I've seen and read, and spending time at the domain a long, long time ago. Um, was that it's pretty much within walking distance of a lot of restaurants and bars and all the other things that um, MLS says they want from a downtown stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, part of the appeal of Austin is being close to, you know, the legendary sixth street that every tourist ever has heard about and being close to that downtown urban core um, I mean, we're talking about like 10 minutes away from UT. Like it's not, not a huge jump, but um, I don't know. It, it just feels like, it feels interesting that, that this is where they're settling instead of some of the other locations. But I don't think it's a settling. I, I think it's the last resort. Like, I don't think they have anywhere else to go at this point. I mean, if they're going to pull Guerrero, they're going to pull Butler Shores. Um, they don't want to go out towards the racetrack and out to the convention center out there. Yeah. They've mentioned private land, but where is there a spot big enough downtown privately for that? Um, that would probably take multiple tracks of land. I think Macal is the do or die. Like that's all they have left to cling on to. And they're going to have to cling on to it because otherwise it's not going to happen. I, mean, I feel like happen. this would be like building an MLS stadium, like outside of La Quintera or, uh, you know, the rim area. <laughs> like that was, that was my first comparison anyway, just off the bat where it's not downtown, but it's in an area where people actually go. Um, so it, it's not, it's not as awful as some people want to make it seem, but it's also not what they signed up for initially and what they said they wanted. So to me, and this is going to be a really weird transition here because I think they are related. Um, To me, it sounds a lot like what's going on in Miami right now. And I'm not trying to get away from Austin. We can talk about both, but what's going on in Miami is uh, the Moss brothers came in and solidified Beckham's bid as local ownership with a shit ton of money that really wanted to get invested in sports. Um, But the Miami bid was that they would be at a site in Overland and Overland is uh, not, (laughs) you know, it's coming up. (laughs) It's not the best community from 
everything I've read and seen and heard, and you would probably know better than I would. Um, but it, it feels like the Moss brothers and Beckham said, yeah, we'll go to Overland and then actually want to figure out the site a little later. It feels kind of like that's what happened. That's what's happening in Austin where PSV is saying, yeah, we'll go to McCalla. But then when it comes time to actually start putting, you know, the, the foundation down, uh, it may end up trying to get moved somewhere else. But where, where, where's somewhere else? That's the thing is at least in Miami, they have a location identified. I mean, obviously they can't even for sure identify a primary location in Austin at this point. Like I said, I think McCalla's do or die in the last place to go, but. Well, this could give them part of that six month out if they're saying, Hey, we're going to go to McCalla um, and then they can actually figure it out later. But if they need to give a six month notice, they're, you know, it's, it can't be a coincidence that this came out what, two days after that lawsuit, three days after that lawsuit. Right. Um, the, the timing on it is, which speaking of timing, honestly, come on, PSV. Like, they, they, this is the second time that before a Columbus Crew event, they've made a big Austin announcement or mm-hmm. like right after an event. Um, come on. Like, uh, come on. Do better. <sighs> I don't know. Um, even Sorry, okay, so even if this threw you nothing there. <laughs> no, I'm I'm trying to get my thoughts in a row here. So even if they go through this whole six month ordeal, and this is where they're saying six months starts, they still have to give the local ownership group an oppor- opportunity to purchase the team. Yeah. So, and from what we've heard, there is a local ownership group that's wanting to talk about that and they've come to the talk, talk to uh, PSV before at the table and they've left the table not talking to each other at all yeah. um, obviously we know Precourt doesn't want to sell but he may have to I don't like I don't know like I can't remember if, if we talked about it or not but Precourt specifically said that he doesn't have intentions on selling last week before all this a, lawsuit stuff came out he's not a seller he's a mover that's right. that's basically what it comes down to with him I don't know. I just, McCalla feels like a last resort. I don't think that's where he needs to be. Um, I don't think it's the ideal location. Yes. I'm going to keep on pounding into the ground that it's a toxic waste dump because it is. (laughs) And they're going to have to do some, they're going to probably have to do extensive reclamation efforts to make that site viable from that standpoint (laughs) um, to make it healthy enough for people to be in. But I don't know. It's this, does it feel like it's progressing any more than it's progressed in the last few months that we've been dealing with this? Yeah. I guess my thing with the whole local ownership bid is both sides are blaming each other where um, pre-court and MLS sounded like they um, came to the meeting expecting a check to already be written and ready to go. Whereas the local ownership came ready to discuss options and have a discussion about it mm-hmm. um and that was what months ago now weeks ago at least two months ago i think yeah um, my worry is that much like with the lawsuit there much like with the lawsuit in san antonio against mls the potential lawsuit um there are people who can gain politically or gain business wise uh financially Uh, by throwing their support behind something 
So if some of those businesses are saying, yeah, we'll help fund the team, we'll be in this ownership group, like that's really easy to say when you don't have to actually write a check. Like it's easy to say, yeah, I'll buy something when it's not for sale. Um, when, when slash if the crew or the franchise rights or what, whatever the phrasing is, um, when and if those are for sale, that's when I'll be really interested on who's still there. Um, you know, maybe all of those local owners, the potential local ownership really did mean it and really are committed, but um, it's really easy to say you'll buy something when it's not actually for sale. You're absolutely right. I guess one of the big answers will probably come, I'm guessing it's next week, maybe I'm just going off the calendar, uh, whenever the next uh, Austin City Council meeting is. Yeah. Because I'm assuming that at that point, they will be well aware that McCalla is their where they're aiming and we could hear them shut that down right then and there. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think there was some late stuff. Uh, I need to find it now. Um, I want to say that there are representatives who already are on board with um, McCalla. Okay. I'm trying to find it on Kevin Lytle's <laughs> Kevin Lytle's Twitter feed here, but um yeah, so if you're not already following, Kevin Lytle from Austin American Statesman is a great follow, as well as Chris Bills, also from the Statesman. Um, so here's a couple of tweets from him from earlier tonight. Um, from three hours ago, quote, a potentially huge update on MLS to ATX. Mayor Pro Tem Katie Tovo plans to drop a resolution tomorrow to have Austin, uh, the Austin government work with Anthony Precourt on vetting McCalla Place. Co-sponsors might include Leslie Poole and Ann Kitchen. Wow, these mm. folks want Columbus crew in Austin. Uh, another tweet, Mayor Steve Adler touts McCalla Place to the statesman and says, quote, it's underutilized city-owned tract, easily accessible to public transport. Near the domain, it's shaping up as an exciting place. Let's see if it works. Um, and the last one I'll read, from city council member Leslie Poole to the statesman, quote, I'd rather see practice fields at McCalla and the stadium somewhere else, but I'm open to it. I'm agreeable to participating in the analysis. If it turns out to be a great idea, I'll be all for it. So it doesn't sound like a home run um, from the government side. It sounds like there's still some skepticism, um, which, you know, we expected from every city government. <laughs> um, except maybe San Antonio. I feel like they're all pretty much on board, but yeah. Anyway, it's going to be a long one. Um, well, I think, yeah. I think the Austin side of it is going to get settled. Honestly, I think that um, McCalla will probably be approved and probably be ready to go. Um, once the lawsuit side of it in Columbus gets figured out, but Which could take out of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're running out of time to get that 2019 done and they'll have to find a temporary stadium. There's a lot of, a lot of other things in play, but um, it feels like the Austin side of things is starting to become clear unless they pull a Beckham and try and move it to another part of the town at the last minute. Well, let, let's finish that one really quick before we wrap this up. Yeah. In regards to the Beckham move, they're trying to move to a hospital site. Um, and it's city owned city owned land, so they would have sense. to their bid has been dead for years. Oh 
I'm sorry. Um, they're going to have to get city approval, and it's probably going to have to go to a vote. Yeah. And if there's one thing I can tell you about Miami sports, as I wear <laughs> a Dolphins hoodie here, if there's one thing I can tell you about Miami sports is that the baseball team there completely soured the public on doing anything involving giving up land, money, et cetera, um, particularly money, but I would assume land would be just as valuable to the people there. Um, anything that involves a public vote is going to be a very, very hard sell in Miami. Um, the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, tried for the better part of two years to secure partial financing for stadium renovations to the stadium down there, Hard Rock Stadium, um, from the public to get them to chip in some. And it crashed and burned over and over to the point where Stephen Ross was just like, you know what? I'm done. And pulled out $500 million of his own cash and just paid for everything on his own. <laughs> Don't you hate it, just, it when that happens? You have to write a five hundred million dollar check. It's probably what should have happened to begin with. He probably shouldn't have been asking the the, the city for the city and the county for money. But um, the baseball team there and that whole stadium fiasco has left an entirely bad taste in everybody's mouth down in Miami. And I don't see any way that if it has to go to a vote, the public approves their stadium move. I think they're stuck in Overland down there. So yeah. Um, I did see one other question about Toyota Field since we did mention that and you briefly mentioned the stadium site asking about Toyota Field being expandable to MLS capacity. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, did you? No, I don't want to talk. Uh, it, it's not about capacity, y'all. Like, it's not about butts and seats at Toyota Field. Um, it's just in a, in a really bad location. Um, and... I I have a lot of fond memories at Toyota Field. Most of them are with you, Larry, or a lot of them are with you. Um, but And it's a beautiful USL stadium, but there's nothing to do around there. Um, they built a Taco Bell, and I was really pumped about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I understand if you're someone um, who, and I kind of straddle this line because I've got a young kid at home. If you're someone who is going to a game with your family and you're going to the game and then going home um, or, you know, you're ducking under the bridge and doing the tailgate and then going home afterwards. Um, you, you probably think the, the uh, Toyota field site is great. Um, mm -hmm. But the reason that MLS wants all these in downtown uh, is because there need to be places to go to pre-party and post-party. And, and if you look at, a lot of these successful MLS cities, um, you know, there's bars and restaurants and shit to go to before and after the games. And there's just not at Toyota field. Um, so even though it could be expanded, which I don't know if it should be expanded, I think you should, <laughs> there's a lot of weird things about Toyota field. Um, yeah. it was not built very well. Like it structurally, it's fine. I just mean like design wise, it was, there's a lot of interesting choices that were made. Well, um, let's not sell it short. It was built with expansion in mind, whether expansion to what we think an MLS capacity should be at this point. I think they're probably behind the ball on that. Cause what wasn't it? I could be wrong here. Wasn't there figures thrown out that it was built to be expanded to like 16 or 17,000. Maybe it's 18. I think it was 18 which, maybe, which isn't enough anymore. Small. Like that's, that's small for an MLS stadium. They really need to bring it up to, 
24, but we don't know what the stadium expansion plan is. And you're very, you're right. It could very well be an alternate site where we see Toyota field become the premier training facility in Texas for soccer, (laughs) like the most decked out home training facility for a team in the state, possibly in the country for a soccer team. Yeah. Um, the, I would love to see, so my degrees, one of my degrees in history, and um, I love the Institute of Texan Cultures with all of my heart. I have spent so many hours there. <laughs> I, um, that's a very special place to me. But um, if they are going to move, which it sounds like the UT system is all for and the city is all for, um, and they're going to put a stadium there. I would much rather see a soccer stadium there than a triple a baseball stadium. Um, so if, you know, the, the MLS, uh, bid gets going again, if, you know, Austin falls apart or if they're trying to pull for a fourth team or whatever, um, yeah, it, it would be awesome to see it there or, you know, somewhere downtown, not the Alamo dome, like not playing in the Alamo dome, right. but, even playing in the Alamo Dome would be better than playing at Toyota Field uh, as far as, you know, you're just a couple blocks away from some good food and bars and stuff. But yeah, I know know that might not be a popular opinion. Sorry. No, you know, I hadn't thought about the Institute of Texan Culture site. I mean, I spent tons of time there with school and things like that. Fun memories. Yeah. Um, But that's an interesting stadium site option for sure. Well, we heard um, it thrown around last summer when all the mission stuff was going on. Right. Cause that's, that's where it sparked in my brain was from all that. Um, yeah, it's an it's interesting option, but I think you're right. I, I think it's 50, 50, whether if we were to get an MLS team, it would be in Toyota field or somewhere else at this point, there's not a lot of big open tracks of land down in downtown San Antonio. So something would have to go for that to show up and the Institute of Texan cultures might be on the chopping block this this is going to show a little ignorance on my part and you know forgive me for this but i know isn't the alamo brewing company site under bankruptcy again or foreclosure again or something where it's like a big empty building in the southeast part of downtown i can't remember specifically where it's at but downtown ish like Right. If something like that came available and they were able to get rid of, I don't know the sizing. I don't know if that specifically would work, but mm-hmm. you know, something like that to where downtown ish would, <laughs> would be better than Toyota field and the location Toyota field's beautiful. Star soccer complex is beautiful, but um, not for MLS. Agreed. Agreed. Ooh, didn't mean to go on that rant tonight. <laughs> Anything else? God, no. <laughs> um no i think that was it for mine so uh, thanks to uh harry for suggesting usl west previews we're actually planning on doing those next week um so we are gonna go heavy with the hot takes next week uh scott says toyota field still a great stadium for usl the stadium itself is incredible to watch a usl game at um no complaints about toyota field i want to make that clear no complaints about watching a usl game at toyota field love it um, it's just the location sucks. Yeah, it does. Um, 
Anyway, yep. yeah, next week we'll have uh, USL West previews. We'll probably ignore the East because San Antonio FC doesn't ever play the East. Um, I mean, I think we should at least take a shot at who will be playing for the championship. <laughs> True. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, Spoiler and, alert on my picks. <laughs> um, and then Gordinio writes in rank USL jerseys, which is a fucking great idea. And I think we're going to do that. I think we should do that anyway. I, I lightly tried to see if anybody had compiled what all the 2018 jerseys looked like. Come on, Ray. And I couldn't. Oh, God. There goes the microphone. <laughs> I broke it. We broke the stream. We're going to fix oh, this thing. No. Um, I lightly tried to see if anybody else had compiled a list and pictures and things like that. And I hadn't seen anything. So I may take that on this week to try and at least put together a slideshow for you and me. There you go. So we can go through and figure out what we like and what we don't. Because I'm sure there's plenty of them that we feel both ways about. I think we should have like a top three and a bottom three. Or and ignore the like rest? That. And ignore the rest. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Aren't there like 48 teams in USL now? At this point, yes. <laughs> and by next week, there'll probably be a few more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. I'm excited for, <laughs> after all the Austin talk, I don't mean to get back into it, but I'm excited for Austin USL in 2019. I'm excited for El Paso USL. Uh, I'm excited for more Texas teams. I think it would be fun. Well, those two teams are something worth being excited about. So I'm right there with you. Oh, boy. Um, well, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for hanging out on Periscope. Specifically, thank you again. To Jesus, Michael, Jose, Vanessa, Andres, and Aaron for contributing to our brand new intro. Um, again, the music for that is by the band Young American. They are from San Antonio. They were from San Antonio. Um, their album was uh, Late Nights, Early Flights. It's available on Spotify, on uh, iTunes, pretty much everywhere. Music's available. Late Nights, Early Flights. The song is called Texas. It's dope. Uh, might play it again as the intro just so you can hear it. Um, but I do want to say Mission Complete is a band that I absolutely adore. Um, it's some of my best friends in the world and that will make it back into the podcast. Maybe not as the intro, but um, you know, if you like Mission Complete, that's not going anywhere. And again, that album is emotionally strong enough to be your man. So check that out if you're having withdrawals this week. Um, we good to go? I, I guess that's it. Am I forgetting anybody? Thank you to... We didn't have a guest this week. No. Hopefully next week. Hopefully we'll make it to training next week. Yeah. Right. Before the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Life has been weird. This week, so. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week. Same time, same time.